This is Gaming and BS, episode 17. Thank you for joining. Uh, This is one of your co-hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. And this is Gaming and BS, where we talk about RPGs, typically tabletop gaming, but primarily RPGs and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. Thanks for joining in. Um, So I just wanted to um, start out by saying, let me see, where's my sheet here? Okay. So So we go through announcements. I will go ahead and tackle announcements. So we have actually we don't really have any announcements. Well, we made it. We made it through what, like half a year, maybe, or a quarter of a year. So we're we're, we're back, right? It's twenty fifteen. So that's kind of cool. It is twenty fifteen, indeed. Happy New Year, everybody! And since it's Happy New Year, it's not like you know country centric as like most holidays are. So this affects everybody. So happy new year, everybody in the world. Cause we have listeners globally. That's that's of cause course. that's what we're all about. Exactly. Drawing everyone together through the love <laughs> and happiness that gaming provides. Exactly. Um, so I don't have any announcements, Brett, you No, nothing new. Um, I guess I could uh, pimp one more time that in uh, central Wisconsin, Nevercon is, um, this next weekend, so that will be cool. I'll be back in time to get at the uh, next recording with Sean, but that's going to be a blast, Friday through Saturday. That'll be fun. Evercon. Yeah. So do you know, I know. I, I should have asked Chad, where the name Evercon comes from? Do you know? It's D.C. Everest is the name of the high school uh, system, so it's Everest. It's Everest. Gotcha. Everest, Evercon. Right. So. Yep. Right. Gotcha. Good. And they may have stolen it possibly from the whole EverQuest concept oh. back in the day oh. when they first started it. So this is their 15th year or so. 15? For a while. Yep. Wow, good for them. Uh, I'll have to make that up there. And uh, that's another topic because I just registered an event. I guess it's kind of an announcement. I registered an event for Gary Khan under the Gamehole Con banner. Um, Alex from Gamehole asked me if I'd be willing to run a game. I said, sure. It'll be at their table, I'm guessing. I think it overlaps somebody else's, so I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but it's a Spycraft game. One minute to midnight. One minute to midnight. Um, I don't Sp- even know what to Spycraft do with Spycraft D20. Um, join- I think I'm limited to four players. But anyways, the reason I bring that up is Gary Khan... It- I saw a video with Luke, and I know I've talked to other folks. Um, Luke Gygax, son of Gary, is very insistent upon keeping Gary Khan in Lake Geneva, which I can appreciate. The problem is the venue, they've already outgrown it. it and it's already, literally when the con ends, it's already the hotel's already booked for the next year, which kind of pisses me off because I didn't get in and... I haven't booked the hotel room for the next five years, so I can't yeah, so stay. Yeah, so like, where, where can I stay? Yeah. yeah. I can't stay at the hotel 
that the con is at, which irks the crap out of me because I don't want to partake in the festivities after hours with a few Mm -hmm. beers and then have to go somewhere else, like another hotel. And I think I'm going to have to do that this year. Otherwise, I'm going to have to shack up with somebody, which may not be like I may may just show up and be like, I'm going to sleep in my car unless somebody gives me a freaking place to sleep. And it is March in Wisconsin, so that could be pretty freaking cold too, dude. So. May the gaming god smile upon you and you find a place to, to uh, lay your, your uh, sleeping bag. So the reason I, I bring that up is because if it consistently is like that, maybe it's time for me to change venues. Because I, I limit myself to about two cons a year. And one is Game Hole, um, which is a no-brainer so far. And then the other one will probably be Gary Con. But if I can never get a room there, then it may be where you know, I go to Evercon. Well, one of the cool things that Alex and the guys at Gamehole did, and we talked about this before, is that Gamehole got bigger, and they're already planning out the next couple of years, looking at saying, hey, we're growing. If we watch this, they've been laying the groundwork and the track to find out what they got to do to increase their size so that they can manage it appropriately, but yet make sure everybody has the right facilities and features and everything that they want. And it's that kind of one-stop shop. So the game hole con crew i mean they do it right there's just no two ways around it they they really do it right and they've got a long ways to go before they have to move out of madison which is nice cuz even i'm not madison's a good spot for it i mean we yeah. get huge concerts and other things there's a lot of space around here yeah i mean where they're going to be for 2015 is going to have one two three one hotel connected and two hotels that are like walking distance and being november it can get a little chilly but you know i don't the problem with Madison, unlike Indianapolis, comparing comparing to Gen Con, is you don't have like five or six hotels connected to the convention center by some skywalk. So yeah. in, in Gen Con, you've got it in August. So you walk the skywalks to prevent your your ass from sweating profusely. Right? You walk indoors; yeah. it's air conditioned. Here, you know, in November, it's going to get freaking cold at times in Wisconsin. I mean, it can be anywhere from 50 to like 20. Below. Well, I don't know. Early November, <laughs> 20 Early below. Like, bad, yeah, you never anyway, know, it's though. Just, it's kind of, I mean, the the Gary Con guys, I, I want to go, but one of the things that actually stops me is all these stories I hear from people going, yeah, I couldn't get a room. I had to find somebody. I'm like, well, I, I guess, but shit. It's just, it can't be a pain in the ass. If it becomes a pain in the ass, then it stops me from wanting to go because well, I just don't want to deal. And I'm, my fear is that they are so – see, I think they're just going to be like, hey, that's just the way it is. Tough shit. Like if you don't like it, that's okay because we're still going to get our 1,000 maybe – or they get it probably like 700 people or whatever. And well, if, if, there's, if there's a size limit that they don't care that they ever expand past, that's fine. Right. And I'm not – I mean, and I don't know that, right? I, I don't know how Luke and, and all the, the folks involved in that want to do it or what their overall goal is. But anyway. Anyways. What's it, Random Encounter? I don't want to talk about this anymore. Random Encounter. All right, Random Encounter is just where we talk about um, any emails, uh, text messages, smoke signals from Twitter, G+, um, voicemails. So we have one, and I don't want to go into a ton of detail, but this kind of you probably noticed. So Josh, thanks for writing in. Josh says, I'm enjoying the podcast and see that iTunes has episodes 7 through 16 available. What does a guy need to do to hear the first six? So obviously, thank you, Josh, for bringing that to my attention. I checked iTunes. That's an issue. I think it has to do with our feed. I'm looking into that. We'll fix it. 
So I think on our website I have the feed limited to the last 10 entries. Now I've oh, opened, I know, Jesus I didn't know Christ. that would affect the damn I'm now auditioning new Technically Savvy partners. Dude, I am a... I'm a freaking basket case. I I don't name episodes correctly. I don't post them correctly. Brett's like constantly messaging me like, hey, dude, did you do this? And hey, you put the wrong number in there. I'm just a freaking well, mess. Yeah, one of the nice things for, for guys like Josh, while Sean's getting his head out of his ass, is we can go, you can always go to the website, you know, gamingbs.com, and we do have all the episodes there. So it's the, it's through the website, you know, and there's other ways you can download them from there and so forth. So uh, we'll get the iTunes thing fixed. Um, it'll get fixed. Yeah, it'll get fixed. It's just a matter of he can, Sean getting getting things yeah. done. He continues yeah. two little bits of feedback. Uh, the intro and outro music is time consuming, and I find it I skip it pretty much every time. I want to listen to B and S BS about gaming, not some music track. And then he also says, I grew up in northern Minnesota, and I'm digging the slight Northwoods accent that comes through, particularly while Brett talks about hunting, which is fun, <laughs> which is cool because I don't have an accent. I, I'm not from the Northwoods. Brett is from Upper North, so he central had, Wisconsin. Central Wisconsin. His yes. accent is much thicker, eh? <laughs> well, especially after I spend a couple of weeks in uh, the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, then. It gets worse. I'm it kid- gets worse. I'm kidding. I probably have an accent too, and I don't care. Actually, I was born out on the East Coast, but I lost. I must have lost that when I was a kid, and I should try to incorporate my grandmother's Connecticut accent and just car. I can't get in the car. You got. You can't get there from here because you got to get in the car, and then you drive down I ninety five. Nice. So having said that, thanks for sending us the feedback, Josh. We're fixing the feed. That should be resolved, I'm hoping, in a day because I think it takes a little while for iTunes to propagate. And as you all will have noticed, um, we trimmed down the intro to about 33 seconds exactly. Um, And the outro, we'll probably talk over that and you'll see that. And if you want to skip out of that, that's fine too. But totally get it. I've seen a couple comments. Um, Adam was the first one. I didn't listen to him. Uh, sorry, if Adam, if you're listening to this, Adam was the first guy to bring it to our attention. I thought putting some verbal snippets in there would help out. But yeah, you're right. You want we're also like introducing the episodes because I think it's a new no brainer. So you, you when you're listening, you don't know what episode it is. So if you're listening to multiple ones, you're not sure if you're on the latest. We're gonna fix that. So tweaks. It's a learning process. Um, we haven't been doing this for 20 years yet, but in 20 years. There will be no more excuses for Sean. That's, <laughs> that is. Hey, the other guy. The other guy I want to call out is uh, Mo Tusno, our Canadian uh, gaming oh, guy. Ah, you're mentioning um, Mo again. I gotta bring up Mo, and the reason is, is because uh, Mo listened to the props. Um, oh, he did. Yes, the, the episode, and he had a really nice discussion on kind of how he's used props in the past and so on. And he pulled out, you know, four or five other guys chimed in and kind of went back and forth. Miles Davis and Ian Borkart kind of jumped in and what they like and so forth. So that was kind of cool. I like the um, I like the back and forth there, Mo. So I appreciate you taking that topic and uh, keeping the conversation going outside of here. So that was pretty sweet. Yeah, so it was Mo, Miles, and who? Was Ian it? Borkert, Ian. I believe is how okay. you pronounce the last name. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for getting the you know communication or communication, the conversation flowing, props. Yeah, Absolutely. so that was in uh, episode 16 where we were talking about using props and tactile gaming. All right. So awesome. Shall we go and um, queue up our, our awesome sponsor? I think we should. All right. Let's do that. 
Michael Althauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order at the website grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. All right, and we're back. So Brett had this thing. We won't even say what the topic was originally because we may do it later. So Brett had this. I usually go to Brett because I'm doing all this other stuff, and I go, hey, Brett, what do you want to talk about? He's busy flailing at the technology. (laughs) He doesn't have time to think up topic ideas. I'm busy (laughs) (laughs) rectifying our mistakes my mistakes my mistakes i'll own up on those brett's like dude you're the technical guy man it's all on you and i'm like i got this covered and then he's like oh this guy's such a basket case um so we had a topic and then we we started talking brett has a home game and he was talking about his kids which are cool he posts pictures online which is super awesome on at times and then he he dropped the A word, alignment. Oh, and we're not talking cars. No, it was fun, and I'll let let me go. Let me give a quick bet here. So, what happened was you're talking about, hey, you cool the topic I came up with, and oh, by the way, hey, my kids were started uh, talking about alignment as we got the characters updated to their new level and whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me, and my son Connor, fifteen, said, how do these different alignments work? I mean. The cat of good, lawful evil, blah, blah, blah. So I like pulled out the old books, read through it. Hey, this is this type of alignment. This is what this means and so on. And my little guy, AJ, he's eight. And his first thing was, well, I'm a cleric of Odin. I'm going to be lawful good. I want to smash evil right in the face. Like, awesome. I just, I remember me being that little kid in third grade like he was. And I always played paladins or lawful good, whatever, because I thought that was really cool. Connor's like, well, I want to be in alignment that lets me do whatever in the hell I want. And I said, well, here are options. And he said, well, how about chaotic evil? That sounds like I could, I could do whatever I want. What would you do if that happened? And I said, well, my thief in the game, I'm playing a little NPC halfling thief. I said, I would probably very strongly suggest to our very lawful good cleric of Odin that we kick your ass out of the group. He's like, what? Why would you do that? And I said, because you're evil? Yeah, but we're friends. I said, that's not going to work, dude. I said, that's not the purpose of alignment and so on. (laughs) Oh, nice. See, that's what Sean's good for. So so we got, we hashed out a little bit, kind of alignments, why you'd want to do it. Yeah, adventures may be a little insane or whatever it is, but there's a certain point, and this is what made Sean, I want to switch to this topic, was in a and d game or any type of game, we have to have a moral compass or something that you've got to work with. Unless the game is very... Um, PvP, player versus player, where you're going at it like you do in an Amber game oftentimes in uh, World of Darkness games, Vampire, <clears throat> and so forth. You don't want to have a group of people in a party environment where you're going off to do something that have such drastic different worldviews or drivers that you can't trust them, right? I mean, why would you want to be down five levels down in some ancient dwarven hold with a guy who you don't trust? Really, you caught the thief. This is the 15th time he's tried to steal something from the treasure hoard while no one was looking. You've caught him umpteen times. He goes, well, I'm just playing my character, you know, and just using that as an excuse to be a dick, essentially, you know. So anyway, that's kind of where I, where the 
<clears throat> the re the reswizzle of the alignment uh, to our topic for today. So. Yeah, so if this doesn't get you guys to like talk about this show, uh, I don't know what is because this is like the this is the sex politics political issue of especially D&D and role playing games being D&D being the 300 pound gorilla, but <laughs> so when Brett brought up alignment, I'm like, "Oh man, we could debate this thing and get people pretty riled up on it." Because that is oh. so Brett kind of hinted at the alignment, and so even like your son, your son who was talking about wanting to be able to do anything without any barriers, blah blah blah. I man, I don't know how many groups I've been in where there's always that guy. There's always mm-hmm. one guy who doesn't want any restrictions, doesn't want to follow any rules, does, just wants to be able to do whatever the hell they want. Which, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's just so like, oh man, you know they're going to be the troublemaker. Yeah, they can. Be. I think. So if I look at alignments, there's a couple – there's ways to like, – how strongly do you implement it? Um, how hard and fast is that alignment rule in your in your game or whatever? When I run my uh, my homebrew Avalon world for my group that Lenny and Zave and those guys play in, um, I don't use alignments <clears throat> unless you are um, a religious-based character. If you're a paladin, cleric, or something that d- draws divine power, right? If you're using that, then you have an alignment because that is a moral compass. It's a method that you're supposed to live your life by. It's part of your dogma or whatever. From your faith, <clears throat> you must behave in this fashion in order for the God to smile upon you and grant you these gifts. For the record, now, I totally agree exactly with that. Now, the, the difficult part, of course, I get hit with, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if I do detect evil, but you don't have an evil alignment? What does that do? And I say, well, <clears throat> detecting evil, for me then helps you find the enemies of your faith. If you're good aligned, that would be demons, devils, undead, um, anti-paladins, clerics of alternately aligned gods or whatever it is. I said it's also conceivable that that assassin, the person whose sole goal is to advance his career through murder or whatever it is, or the rapist in the, in the, uh, in the bar or whatever it is, that person may also register as evil. But there's a certain level of... It's basically testing your overall moral compass, if you will. Um, uh, so, it, yeah, but anyway, de- detect evil. The purpose of it is that, or detect good, you know, is for you to find enemies of your faith. You're finding the opposite thing of you, the things that are obviously evil. Right. And <clears throat> so, like, oh boy, that means the thief could kind of be evil, kind of. I said, yeah. And then you got to figure it out. That's kind of your moral quandary, then, right? You capture this guy, or you're talking to the thief in the alley. You need information from, you know, Broderick the thief. And Broderick's like, well, blah, blah, blah. The cleric says, well, I'm going to detect evil on him. I want to see if this guy's in the up and up. I'm going to give you the, well, he's done evil things. He's a thief. Um, He's not really, like, glowing evil per se. I mean, he hasn't murdered anybody or knocked anybody out or done anything horrible lately. But he has the stink, if you will, of evil upon him. He's a thief. There's no two ways around it. So the cleric has to decide, well, you know, all right, I'll let it go. You know, because we need the information. At least he's being forthright there. As long as he doesn't lie to me, type of thing. Uh, here's so that that that's where it gets that's where it gets kind of wonky. Yeah, here's wonky. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, since the, I think it can get into a philosophical debate, and it's all I think it's very percep perspective based, not perception. Well, I guess it's perception, but perspective. So, perfect example. If Oh, I hate to say this. 
George W. Okay, so some people would say that guy's evil. Oh yeah, I mean, there, there's there's right. people that would say any you pick any politician, right? Right. Well, right. Anyone. Right. And someone's yeah. going to say someone from the far end of whatever political yes. spectrum will say, no, he was <clears throat> he did everything he was supposed to do. He was this perfect person. This woman, she's the best uh, senator we've ever had. This other person, I don't care what they did over there, blah, blah, blah. They're God's gift to this entire nation. Thank the Lord that they're here helping us out. Um, but otherwise, the other side would be like, no, they are the devil incarnate right. or they're the worst thing on the planet. Right. So in gaming, that is interesting dynamic. And I I even hate to think about alignment in dealing with some of this stuff because of this, this quandary. Because... And this is what sucks about, you know, protection from evil or detect evil or detect good because it's so, how do you determine that piece of it? I mean, and it's. I believe a lot of the arguments were that historically it was meant to be good versus evil, a very uh, black and white, if you will, with certain slices of gray. I mean, I remember reading the old uh, Gord the Rogue books by Gary Gygax back in the day, the little paperbacks. And they talk about, even the Temple of Elemental Evil talks about gathering all the different forces of evil, the lawful evil, the neutral evil, the chaotic evil, you know, and, and forging them all into one super evil. You know, it's kind of, yeah. it talks about that. And I think if you want to have it be more ambiguous or more gritty or less epic dynamic, perhaps, or whatever the case is, you need to, instead of having it be about everyday moral nitty gritty silly little choices, I prefer the way, and I'm I'm saying I'm doing it right, in, insofar as that it works really well for my group and for me, is that it's the way evil is the thing that is absolutely contrary to everything you believe in. They're normally very very obvious things to get an absolute evil detection off of, you know, demons, devils, good aligned things you're going to get. Angels, devas, you know, uh, food dogs, yeah. da da, things like. I mean, and, well, it and a lot of the served s- for that type of thing. Humanity, elves, dwarves, you know, the oh, player yeah. characteristics they ebb and Gray flow. Area, yeah. And a lot of what you're talking about too falls under chaotic evil. If you really want to nail it down, because I think yeah. even lawful evil, at least they are aligned by some code. It's just not good code. Well, I, mean, I don't know, maybe morally corrupted code. I don't even know. Ugh. So the the I guess the question is then again we're just talking D and D here, so we'll we'll step off of that in a yeah. second or two. Yeah. But so Sean, when you run alignments in a game, you're running a five E game right now. Yeah. Is that a how pervasive is this discussion? Is it the group? Have you guys broken down into moral discussions as to whether or not? Well, he's neutral evil, therefore we'll let him go. Have you had that issue or no? So when I run, it's similar to what you started the conversation with in talking about alignments. I usually will tie it to, um, I, we haven't played a whole lot, but what I tend, we have one cleric in the group and, um, I actually don't know what his alignment is. I know it's good, but I'm not sure if it's neutral, lawful. Uh, I know, I don't think it's chaotic. You mentioned Um, that in episode one, which is no longer available. Who did? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm picking on you because our episodes aren't available on iTunes. Oh, whatever. Dick. I never picked. I never said that in episode one, did I? I know. Oh. Well, you don't know. We can't. Go I know. We had the episodes are up. God damn it. They're just not I up. Know. All right. <laughs> anyway, my chops. Um, 
So if whatever his uh, alignment is, and if he goes contrary to that, then I would reflect that upon his powers. And and D's a wacky bitch anyway, because it's not where it's built in. Um so for example, if the cleric goes, I mean it may have a blurb in there that says if it if he goes, he or she goes contrary to the alignment or is, it has to be within one step, that's usually the key. Is they'll say that your alignment has to be within one step of Tam, can you turn off that fan, please? Um, it has to be one within one step of the deity, and that's about it. And it may, you know, but I'll tell you one example. Like Dungeon Crawl Classics is interesting because if you're a cleric, everybody that's DCC fans listening to this will be like, yay! Um, but he, so he or she, if you're a cleric and you go to heal somebody. If that person is of the same alignment, you will get the full effect of the heal. If you're like one step off, then you only you get like three quarters of the effect of the heal. And if you are two steps off, you get half the effect of the heal. So it's just a system mechanic implemented so that it actually matters whether or not you're healing people of, of the your, same faith of your safe same faith. Yeah, I mean, I think that's. <laughs> I've had players. I've had guys who. Uh, Played Stumpy, my buddy uh, Dave Forgash back in the day. He had Stumpy the Dwarf. He was um, a cleric. He was a battle cleric. He was freaking brutal. And at a certain point, the group, he didn't mind whoever you were, but if you strayed too far from where he viewed Maradin's perspective, you had to pay him. He wouldn't heal you. He's like, nope. So I, and he would take that cash. He'd stock it, sock it away. As soon as he got back to temple, he'd dump it all in there. Yeah. And he was constantly like, you converting? You converting now? Yep. How about now? How many fucking times do I have to prove to you the power of Maradin by healing your broken yeah. legs yeah. until you believe? I play a cleric like that, and players get pissed off. Like, dude, you're a cleric. You know, heal me. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Are you the? Are you? Have you found the light? You know, maybe the first couple of times, but after that, I'm like, hey, man. You know, if I am a religious person in the world of Dungeons and Dragons or any fantasy RPG, my goal. So the power that comes through me is from my Lord or my God or deity or whatever. And I pray to that individual. And folks that are the followers of the cloth and the faith, they will, they, I should take care of them. They're kind of my people. And then if I try to, my, my, I guess, and I guess it depends on who, how you play your cleric. But if you go out into the world, you're maybe out in the world to spread the word. Yeah, you'd think so anyway. And then if or at you... least through through questioning, like, wow, that was amazing. Well, you know, I do follow Klendig and Silverbeard. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, he's an amazing dwarven god of battle and blah, 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 blah. Oh, right. wow. I guess that sounds interesting. You know, so I I get where you're coming from. And I think that's where we can, like, if you step away from D&D, I think it's the concept of how you act morally or I, I guess the just using the phrase alignment again because I can't think of anything better um, in GURPS or Champions or anything like that, you make a character that is a superhero, Superman. I have not seen the latest Superman movie, but I understand that at the tail end of it, spoiler, 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 he has to do something horrible, at least horrible to his code. And Batman is another one. He Batman won't kill you. Batman should have killed the Joker a million fucking times because it's a goddamn Joker. How many people? There's graveyards filled with people because Batman won't kill the goddamn Joker. But he has a moral code. Right, he has an alignment of some sort that he's following, 
that says, no, I can't kill the fucking Joker, even though he probably deserves to be shot in the head. Okay. Um, but while you're doing that, there's ramifications and so forth. So even in your supers game, you have a code of honor, like your paladin or your Arthurian knight or whomever it is. You have a code you're living by or whatever the case is. And depending on how strong you as the game master influence, or I should say um, expect it to be played, you know, you, you influence how, how that how prevalent it is. Right, you could have a group of paladins that do whatever the hell they want. You just don't ever bother check alignment. Just you know, freewheel it, ignore the rules, even worse than Brett normally does, and you know whatever. But if you want to have it so that it has an impact on your game world, and you have this moral code or um, this very very severe alignment, you need to do something. At least I would assume anyway to make it have an impact in the game world. And as a character, I love the way you're talking about doing it. You're saying, look, as a character, whether a game master is doing it or not, I am taking it upon myself to say, look, I worship Obed High, and uh, you chop down one more fucking tree, and we're gonna have a problem. I've been right. telling you for a while, stop the trees. Yeah, and if you're else. and if you're not playing it that way, then then there's something different. Then there's something wrong. Then then you're kind of like a heretic, right? You you worship the god, but you really don't. You know, then then there may be some adverse effects that the GM can implement. And maybe that's just part of the whole story, which is really cool. You could implement it as the story overall. Like, hey, I'm a, I say I'm a follower of it. You know, that would be an interesting one where you play a cleric where you're a follower of X, but really you're like on the sly where you're maybe part of a cult that you worship another, what you would consider a more powerful person, right? But yeah. it's not socially acceptable to do that. So then you get into this quandary of, or dilemma, I guess the word of the night is quandary, but you get into this dilemma of, um, you know, how do you do that? Where do you get your power from? And, you know, it'd be like, well, I'm a good cleric, but really I'm like, I follow necromancy, which is a whole, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but I do think that when I play, when I play a cleric, I can usually kind of, it depends. Maybe I'll hand wave it, but I think it really comes down to I'm the cleric. I'm going to spread the word. And if I'm healing somebody and they're not, uh, they're not a follower, then I want to convert them. And if they're not willing to convert, I'll do, I guess you could play it one of two ways. You can play the hard line and not opt to heal them because they're not paying you or not a follower in hopes that they will eventually see the light and you still and then you just or you continue to do it in hopes that they see the light, you know, where you're kind of like the I will not turn any of my fellow brothers and sisters away, even though they don't they haven't seen the light. It'll eventually come or whatever you do. Well, I think the the cool thing that alignments do for you is that if you have one chosen or you've got a moral code or any of that or any variation thereof is it really gives you a, a role playing um Shtick that you can really sink your teeth into. It's something the way it helps define how you're supposed to behave. And if it's written down and has a preset pieces of it, granted, you can <clears throat> you could argue that, well, the way I'm interpreting lawful good is like this, and that's in line with my deity, whatever it is, but it, it gives you a starting point <clears throat> to operate with. When you say, hey, this demon is lawful evil, or, or excuse me, the devil is lawful evil, the demons are chaotic evil, you understand kind of where that lies. When you meet somebody who worships um, Yogg-Sothoth or Cthulhu or something horrible in the, the Cthulhu mythos, you know that the insane sorcerer is evil. No man or woman in their right mind would want to call down an elder deity to wipe the entire earth clean and destroy all life. That's not 
that's not generally considered a good thing. So I think what alignment does, especially, it's really helped, and I, I see it a lot in my kids and the high school kids I run for, and I'll, I'm positive I'm going to see it again at Evercon this coming weekend, is that when you give someone a character sheet at a con or even at a, at a, a younger, less experienced role player, it's a really good uh, – I'm going to say crutch, and that's a horrible word. It's a really good tool, I think is a better term. It's a tool in the toolbox for you to look at and go, well, what would I do? I don't know what my character would do in this case because it seems like it's a moral quandary. It's a moral <laughs> something I need to deal with. And I look at you, Sean, you're the DM, and as you DM, you go, well, Brett, what's your character's alignment now? Remember that. Take that into consideration as you make your decision. So that, I, that back and forth yeah. right there is enough to get you over the hump of, that, or, or the hurdle. That does help. But I think some of the things like, you know, when you're talking demons and devils and, you know, cult worshipers and people wanting, wanting to wipe out the entire human race and, and some of those things, it's very easy to determine they're bad, they're evil. So even yep. if you had the good and evil and it was a two-sided coin, pretty straightforward. However, I don't think think that's really inherent to a normal like player that's faces different obstacles in their life. So I think what that does then is that kind of segues into the piece that Lenny and I have always said this is that adventures are insane. If you're an adventuring group in a traditional gaming environment, be it a spy, a spy world or sci-fi or whatever it is, you're freaking nuts. You are doing something or a living that is incredibly dangerous. I mean, it makes it's kind of you almost want to say the people that go on, uh, like the moon landing folks, it's you're kind of borderline crazy because if anything goes wrong, you're not coming back. Well, hold on, hold this on. This is even this is even worse though. This is to the point where you're going to go into a cobalt warren. You know, there's cobalts in there. They've been eating babies and killing livestock and doing stuff. You're going to go down there and kill them and their hobgoblin chieftains. And you're six levels into this thing, five rooms, you choose to camp out in one of the rooms in the dungeon, and you've got that thief who you don't trust, and the cleric of a god you don't believe in, and the mage who doesn't want to cast any spells unless people pay him appropriately. There's a certain point when you have to look at it and go, okay, we may be fucking crazy here, but we all have to at least have each other's backs. There has to be a trust level, and that's one of the cool things I liked about Dungeon World was the bonds concept? Yeah, yeah. is this the, the mechanic to say, "Look, guys, you know each other. You have something. You may not like you. Sean might not like Brett, right? Or our characters might not like each other. But damn it, there's a reason why we're willing to go down into this cobalt warren and fight the bloody cobalts all the way to the hobgoblin chief because Sean's a stand-up fighter." There's no one I'd rather have on my side. He's a prick. I don't like him. He doesn't give to the church. He kicks He kicks old women down the street. He did, he's a jerk. My cleric doesn't like that. But this is the greater good right now, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring that badass with me. Yeah, to, to elaborate on the dungeon world mechanic just briefly, not to go into the whole game, but there's a thing called bonds, and when you create a when you have your character, it's, it's literally a sentence with a couple blanks in it. So the cleric would maybe have the... Uh, the sentence blank um, blank is not does not follow my faith, but there's still hope for them. And so and and hopefully I'll, you know, so they'll finally see the light. Mm-hmm. And when that bond is fulfilled, so you list the player in the blank 
the player character's name. And if that bond is fulfilled, the person, the both parties actually get experience points for it. So the bonds are really cool and it plays into the mechanics of the game forwards, the story and everything. And then when you complete the bond, you create a new one and it could be something completely different. Um, it can be on your character sheet or just made up and then you put in another person's name and then when you fulfill that, great. But the trick is, is that the other player character may not want to fulfill it. They just may be a hard head, but then it doesn't do either one of them any justice in the in the scheme. Well, there's of no harm that no right. harm no foul then. No case. no harm no foul, but there's no advancement in XP <clears throat> in that case. So there is an incentive to kind of create those bonds and see them to fruition. Anyways, one thing um, we haven't talked about here's here's one thing that gets under my skin when players. <clears throat> so we talked about the I want to be able to do whatever I want person. So they'll try to pick an alignment, and then you get into lawful good is not lawful stupid but one thing mm-hmm. that i find interesting is the players that choose neutral like true pure true neutrals so yep. i can do yeah they, they pick neutral thinking they don't have any limitation because it doesn't side on the good or evil the problem with that is if they truly play a neutral character none of them play it in my opinion i've yet to see a player play a true neutral character and I'll tell you why. Because what they'll do is they'll take one side of the fence or the other. A true neutral character would look at it and say, well, hey, if the human race has to die because of it would it would benefit this, well, that's that's equal on each side of the scale. I'm okay with that. But they don't. They usually take they usually take a side. They say they take a good side, or they may even usually take, saying things like, well, it's I'd rather have lawful good neighbors and chaotic evil neighbors. So therefore. I'll get rid of the kobolds. And mostly if you're if you're really kind of the true neutral person, I would envision more of a druid where it's that's how nature is. So the dying of the trees, the dying of the animals, the spring and the birth of trees and the birth of animals, that's the cycle of nature and you don't impact that one way or the other good or bad, even if it's a true friend of yours. Like even it, so and a true neutral person if I was Say I'm Sean and my mom passes away and I'm true neutral. I would just say, yeah, you know what? That's the cycle of life. And I wouldn't, maybe I would feel one way or the other because feelings are different. But, you know, that would just be something where I'd say, hey, some people would say, well, that's unfair. And then, but that's not unfair if you're neutral because it's kind of the way things are, right? Well, I think, I think we've, we've said this a number of times in the different podcasts is that part of it comes down to, I'm going to use the expectation setting again, you've got to communicate is that when you make your character and if you're playing in Brett's Avalon world and I say, look, this is how I use alignments. You need to ask me these questions. We need to be able to go back and forth and line it out so that it makes sense to you and that everybody else at the table gets it. And if you say, look, I'm going to be a true neutral guy and a druid. And this is kind of how I'm viewing how I'm going to play as true neutral. Sean, is that okay with you? And Sean goes, well, in my world, or the way I play true neutral characters, that doesn't jive because true neutral is like this. What you're saying is more like this other thing. Okay, and then I'll shift over there or I could change to adhere to how you've got it laid out or what your expectation is. So I think – and then the other piece of it then is, again, how heavy-handed is that? Is that every discussion or um, every time you come upon um, you know, a, a beggar in the street, do you give him the – he offers you information for a copper piece – do you do it or do you detect his bloody alignment or say, well, according to my alignment, I would never do such a thing? Or do you say, you know what? Even Batman at some point has criminals that he talks to. 
he lets certain people get away. Batman's, just because. A, Batman's a vigilante, needs to be brought to justice. He works <laughs> out and above the law, and he's not above the law. Uh-huh. There you go. But, you you know, how many bad guys are out there, right, that are like that low-level peon dude that our hero in whatever story has contacts with? He's got underworld contact. He used to be a drug addict, but now he's pure, and he knows people that are still in that world. So he goes and rusts him up a little bit, but he doesn't kill him. He doesn't turn in the authorities. He needs information and says, make sure you get clean, Eddie, and walks away from it, or whatever the case is. And if you can... Again, use the use the alignment or the um, the uh, code of honor or the moral code or whatever it is that your character has in in a GURPS or an Arthurian Arthurian setting to help you justify how you deal with stuff. You know, you can say, "Well, I know you're not really, you know, ugh, two more of those. I give everybody gets one, everybody gets three. That's it. You're on my last nerve, dude. You stop doing that, or we're gonna come to blows." Um, as opposed to constantly saying, "Well." I walk, I'm a paladin. I'm walking down the street, running to detect evil. As soon as I find a miscreant that senses evil, I draw up my sword and kill him. You know, that I've, I've played back in the high school days. I played with a guy who did that, right? Yeah. I need well, experience yeah, points. Guy, I walk down the yeah. street, detect evil. Whack. Yeah. What? There's <laughs> evil all over the place. Yeah, there's <laughs> evil everywhere, dude. This is, I mean, if, yeah. I've so no- I think what it comes down to what you and I are talking about is using it Either as a, um, how do I want to say this? You're either using it as an excuse to in, to indulge you, an asshole gamer type of tendency, or using it as a way to role play, right? If you use it the way we, you, I think you and I both would say is right or better, would be like, look, you're chaotic neutral, I'm lawful good. The reason we go down into the you know the ancient dwarven ruins of Thorbrandor together is because. You saved my ass twice. I've shaved yours once. We at least have some kind of a debt, you know, life debt type of thing going on here. Plus, we've always divided the, the treasure fairly. We've always got each other's backs. The rest of the party, the other four or five of us, we're all good folks. We all get along. We've got the same goal in mind. We've had good experiences together. Boom, we're going to keep going. And it's not that using it as an opportunity to say, well, I'm a thief and... Uh, I'm uh, neutral evil, so I uh, try to steal stuff from the party tonight while everyone's sleeping, while I'm on watch. Everyone goes, oh, come on, Bill. You always do that every night. Or, Sean, why you got to let him do that? I'm sorry. Just playing my character. You know, as John Wick would say, the first thing to do is don't let him make that character, right? Don't let the guy be the asshole. So if you use it as a crutch, an excuse to be an asshole, then... I think I, w- I will go so far as to say you're using alignment wrong. You're using it incorrectly. It's not meant for that. Yeah, we had one. We had one individual that was in a in a group that I played with in the past would always play chaotic neutral, and it was always it, he was always dicking around, making everybody else's lives much more difficult because he would just say, and it wasn't. It wasn't truly evil, but it would just be like, yep, I'm just going to do this. And it'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Hold on a second. And it was every time and every character he played, it was the same. It was chaotic neutral. And I'm like, man. And it just got to be this kind of like punchline. And um, I don't know, whatever. I, don't I had know. guys play chaotic neutral one time and uh, they they used a coin. We get in con- combat with the monsters. They oh, flip the coin. Sorry, heads. I'm on the side of the monsters. And then they would get pissed when the rest of us would kill him. Well, it's my character. You can't just kill my character. Dude, you're a fucker. No, you're dead. 
that comes back to the adventures may be insane, but they're not fucking stupid. If I'm in, you know, the Temple of Elemental Evil and you're chaotic evil, you're not coming with me. <laughs> it's just not happening. I'm not going to let you along. No. Especially if you act like that. That's not happening. If you, so I guess even if you take the, the lineman is a crutch piece out of it, then you just stop being an ass about it. I think, and it, you, same thing with moral code, right? You could play a Superman character who runs around and um, does very paladin-like things, and is just a complete prick about it. And you don't have to be that guy. You can still be a paladin. You can still be a vampire or whatever the case is, but you don't have to be a disrupt disruptive to the game, disruptive to the players, the story. And everything else just because you think it'd be fun or funny. Yeah. I should I have a wizard. I'm gonna start playing it in, in Doc's game on Tuesdays and I'm gonna be a wizard. But you know, some of this conversation makes me think like, oh, you know what I should do? I should make up a guy who's like lawful good. And then every time he gets into combat, he never tries to kill the guy. And he subdues him and then he always wants to take him to justice. All the time. He never wants to kill the bad. Like, well, nope. Got to take him to justice. There's a court. Blah. See, I would, I would, I would say, okay, Sean, that will work because we're playing in a city campaign, right? And that type of thing works. And the type of story I have laid out, or what we want to do as a group, that will totally work. That'd be a fun little quirk, whatever. If we were <laughs> going to be out in the wilderness and we're going on a quest to kill a dragon, I'd be like, dude, no, got to bring him to justice, work. man. <clears throat> nope, change your character. I would, I nope. No, no, so, does no, the no. GM you would squash that? What I about, would absolutely squash that. Let the players deal with it. <clears throat> well, if I do that, then the players um, are going. It's going to become a PvP brawl, and it's not going to work. They're going to kill the lawful good guy. They might, or they'll boot him out. You have to make a new character anyway. Huh. All right. So, if you uh, have something to say about alignment, by all means, drop us a comment on Google Plus, Twitter. Uh, email gamingandbs at gmail.com, and we'll read your email on the air um, and probably get us fired up for another episode. Uh, otherwise, you can call 929-BIG-DICE is the Gaming NBS hotline. But for now, I think we will wrap this up and get into the mighty die roll, which is... Bam. Bam hits the floor. Where we talk about two to four, two to five, whatever we come up with, points that have to do with geekery, gaming that you guys should know about or what have you. So I've got four this this week. I'm I'm hitting Ooh. hardcore. I've only got two, so let me get through mine real quick. All right. So as a little Christmas gift to myself, I bought a copy of Hobbit Tales. It's a storytelling card game <clears throat> that has a um, that uses the Middler setting, obviously. It actually has a mechanism that allows you to tie it into the One Ring role-playing game as well. I didn't realize that. But basically, you're sitting around um, uh, the Green Dragon Inn or any number of different, you know, the Prancing Pony or something. The yeah, concept is you're sitting there and you're telling stories either about hobbits or something in, in, in that world. And you pull out the cards. I'm telling a story. I start laying them out. And then you and the other players around me play hazard cards saying when <clears throat> on your way to the Forbidden... Uh, through the dark forest or forbidding forest, you encounter um, spider webs. You encounter this, that, the other thing. There's some die rolling in play, and you try to go back and forth. You earn cheer tokens to see who can win at the end. It's a blast. I played it with my two little kids, and we kind of kept some of the the, uh, the scoring out of it. They just want to tell stories together, and just using the cards and talking through it 
they were both going like crazy, having a blast. And I also had to stop my youngest, my youngest, which is my daughter who's six, from making the most morbid Hobbit stories you can think of. They were like almost eaten. Somebody lost their toes. It was just, I'm like, What's holy wrong? cow, what a lot is of wrong with that kid? Yeah, she's my kid. That's hey. what my wife tells. That's what my wife tells me anyway. She's obviously my kid. <laughs> so where, if somebody were to want to buy that, where do they get it? Where'd you get it? I got mine off of Amazon. I've okay. not seen it at a uh, friendly neighborhood gaming store, but Hobbit Tales. Um, if nothing else, look it up on Amazon. Check your uh, local gaming store if they be friendly, and see what they can do for you. Who they might be able who, to pull in a copy. Who created it? Um, is it the same shit. people of One Ring? I think it's the same guys that I do think One that's Ring. That's Cubicle Seven, if I'm not mistaken. I think it might be. Okay, I may have to look that up while you're while you're doing. No, your that's thing. fine. Go ahead. The other, um, the last one I had is I needed to get a new a new truck, so I picked up a 2010 Ford Ranger. Nothing too Ooh, fancy. Four wheel drive. Oh yeah, just like my I had a Nissan Xterra, but that thing was like 201,000 miles, um, coughing, spitting, wishing it was dead. So. Local place had a deal where if I bought the truck, I got a free iPad Air. Now, woo, I already have an iPad, which has more than enough space for it. This is just a little 16 gigger. So I give it to my boy because he, he was the only one in the house who didn't have one uh, to play to play with. So um, the, he and his sister were sharing a different one. Anyway, if, you join, if you join the Brett <clears throat> family, you get a free iPad. You get a free iPad, yeah, <laughs> exactly, as a child, yeah. So I give it to him, and the first thing he does is he makes sure that he's got all the games that he had on the shared one that he and his sister had. And then he looks at me and says, i got to have those D&D rules we're using so I can look up all those spells so I don't have to keep asking you. I, I said, okay. So I took my PDF of Osric and a couple other things that I had, dumped them on there. He's like, oh, this is awesome. He sat down. Did you know that with a wish spell you can blah, blah, blah? He's like pouring through spell books and monster stats. That was really cool. I loved it. Again, as my wife said, he's obviously your son. <laughs> awesome. All right, Sean, over to you, man. All right, Geekscapes 2014 shared this on Google Plus. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, an individual had shared a link about uh, December 31st, I think it was, or January 1st, and it was literally 400 pictures. Now there's a few dupes in there, but I mean, literally the dupes was they were like a handful of duplicates, but they were a ton of different artwork that I think this individual pulled from DeviantArt, put them all in one Google Plus post, because um, I think he posts these throughout the year, like one one a day for the whole wow. year. So there's a really cool amount of, uh, and the art is fantasy to science fiction to horror, um, but it's all kinds of stuff that I think if you viewed, it would give you some inspiration to your RPGs. Check that out in the show notes. Number dose, uh, 2014 Good Gift Games, The Morning News. Another post I had seen, um, it's themorningnews.org. There's an article on there that lists like five or seven board games that you should check out. Um, check those out. Some of the heavy board gamers on the list, I know MT, as we know as Mo, um, has a lot of the board games, so he may already have some of these. But I thought they were pretty interesting. I might have to pick up one or two. That intrigued me. Um, so check that out. I don't know the morningnews.org. I don't know who they are. I, th- I don't know if they're a local station or a new- some type of newspaper thing, but I thought it was kind of cool. I read it and thought it was pretty decent. Number three, why play games online when you can join in at a board gaming cafe? 
And this made The Guardian. So if you're not familiar with The Guardian, it's a UK-based newspaper. But nonetheless, they had uh, an article, again, link in the show notes, but it had to do with um, gaming cafes and a couple, like they specifically called one out. And I don't know in the U.S. if you are located near a gaming cafe and one that would work for you, um, let us know. I, I know we had one in Madison that was kind of like a restaurant, gaming restaurant, and it failed. And nobody knew that it was even it even existed. Yeah, I had um, no idea. You, you mentioned it a while back. and went, yeah. holy shit, that was there? Damn, I wish I had known. Yeah, it was uh, in, I think my wife sent off, set off the smoke alarm, which is really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if you hear that and I die and you don't hear from me again, I burned in a fire or anyway. As long as you get those fucking episodes back in iTunes, Jeez, I really I don't guess, care. Right? I know. <laughs> so that's a, that's a cool one. So I, I thought it was neat. I think it's a great concept. And I know that you have board games or gaming stores. And I know one in the past had stuff where you could buy tea and pizza and stuff like that. But I none of them do that now. But I thought it'd be a pretty decent model to be able to like, okay, if I went to Starbucks and bought, you know, $7 Frappuccinos, which I'm like getting out of my diet, um, and offered board games to either rent or bring in and play and then sip down cappuccinos all night. It'd be kind of cool. I don't know if there's a business model behind that, but, uh, but they go into these people from Oxford because this store or this cafe is not far from Oxford. So you get some really highly intelligent engineers and, but anybody cool. can show up and play these board games and it's, it's really cool. And so there's a movement out there. So check it out. Number four, I don't, I think I've mentioned this before. I typically don't pimp, um, Kickstarters on the show, but this one kind of was nostalgic enough and I thought I'd throw it out there. And, and most of you may have already heard of this anyway, but grim tooth traps, is uh, being kickstarted out there. And they had a $17,000 goal, which was surpassed in five hours, which is now at like 38K. Flying Buffalo is not doing this one, are they? So Flying Buffalo is not doing this. And that would irk me because I'm still waiting for the Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls. So if <laughs> Loomis... I thought I'd poke yeah, that one too. If Loomis was involved in this, I would call him to the floor ASAP. But he has stated that he has really nothing nothing to do with this at all. He sent out an email through the Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls Kickstarter, which is going on like a year and a half at this point. Um, they were behind the, the region. The reason Brett brings them up is because the uh, Flying Buffalo were the original publishers of Grim Tooth Traps, I believe. And so yep, it's, I've got two of them in yeah. my collection. So I think um, uh, Goodman Games, uh, Mm. Joseph Goodman, said, hey, yeah, so I think he talked to Loomis at Gen Con. There's a video, and it's actually on the Kickstarter, where Loomis is brought up and says, hey, we're going to do Grimtooths. It's going to be system agnostic, and we're going to put out all five editions. Now, Loomis said there's seven, but nonetheless, they're going to put out all five that were published and, and system agnostic them. And I think they're just doing it with permission from Flying Buffalo. I don't know. If, oh, very cool. I don't know if Flying Buffalo is getting any cut. Probably a little bit, but they have nothing to do with the Kickstarter. They have really no input. They're just really taking all of them that haven't been in print probably for years, just consolidating them into one book, and then you can buy it in soft cover or hard cover. Goodman Games. I mean, that's the Dungeon Crawl Classics guys. Goodman does. Yeah. They do good work. So I would not. 
I would be shocked if this one went silly. I think it'll be a successful one. That should go well. Cool. Yeah, and I, I don't think they're doing anything with it. I think they're just taking all the info and putting it in a, in in one one book. So they're not having to re. Maybe they're stripping out some stuff that are. Mechanics. They were basically system agnostic to begin with. That was the whole concept behind them. Yeah. You know, they just had stuff in it. Oh, and that is uh, Hobbit Tales is Cubicle Seven. By the way, is it? It is. Yeah. So I think that. So that's, I mean, that's all I had for. So check out Grim Tooth Traps Kickstarter. That's the link in the show notes. Um, and I think that's all I had for this week. Alignment. Holy cow. Yeah, we'll probably have to come back to it at some point. Yeah. I'm waiting for some comments on alignment, and then we'll be like. Some people don't use it. I don't know. No, they don't. I mean, like, I, I mean, as I said, I barely do. So. Anything cool. else to say, Brett? I think we're good, man. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Gaming and BS. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all.